Hello, and welcome to Crankhead Commentaries. As always, I am your host, Jake Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad. Back here doing John Wick! John Wick! This is the part two of uh, of the John Wick coverage, uh, and we got a lot more stuff to talk about. Specifically, we're going to talk about all the things you wanted to hear about, about stunts, about filming about all sorts of things but before we get into into all that is there uh anything that you remember from last week that we forgot to mention slash got wrong um i can't think of anything (laughs) can you uh well no but i think i think I didn't look as deeply into Dave and Chad, the directors. Yeah. As, well, the director and the producer, uh, in title, but both the directors in spirit. Right. I didn't uh, give a huge background on them, but I, I just wanted to mention, like, that they used to be professional kickboxers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um. And I also don't know if I mentioned that they, like, I did kind of talk about how, like, they were, like, super important guys in the industry, but I don't know how much I highlighted, like, truly how important they are in that industry. Like, and they, they have, a, they had a studio together called 8711. Yeah. Um, Which is apparently, that's, like, the stunt studio in the world. It's, like, known as the number one place. Mm-hmm. Um. And what what exactly is a stunt studio? They like the basically just like they're the depart like a ready made stunt department. Oh, okay, that I you see. Hire hire out. You know, like they'll do this. They'll choreograph the stunts, and they'll like you know run your your second unit or whatever that you use to to shoot stunts, and they'll you know all that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, and they they were they were well known for their like they did these like previews for all their movies like um which we kind of talked about last episode but we didn't really touch on the fact that like this is kind of what set them ahead of everybody else in the stunt world it's, like the fact that they did these like they like filmed all the choreographed stuff so that you could have like like the the filmmakers could have a really good idea of like what how like the of the fight scene how it was gonna look so they could really right. uh, t- kind of tailor it to their scene and stuff. And so like, almost like what they did with Birdman. <laughs> almost, yeah, kind of. Like, almost, it's weird. We've had this weird connection between the films we've done, yeah, week to week. But it is true. There's a like the pre-film work is very similar, but um, for the same reasons, really. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, there's a lot of intricate you know uh things that you got to get right yeah it's not instead of long takes i guess they're intricate takes yeah but also the cost of getting it wrong you know in stunts is also high yeah in a different way (laughs) it's like if you if you get it wrong you get hurt yes as as we will find out later on in this episode i can only imagine yeah um so with with that, shall we jump into the production uh, and then go from there? Yeah, sure. So we kind of left off at, at last time at the like uh, the end of the pre-production where they were like working on on um, the 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 fight 
choreography and like training for the fights and stuff like that. But we didn't really talk about like so they did their like table reads and the choreography. That all happened in L.A. Obviously, except for uh, 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 Michael Nyquist, we mentioned he trained in 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 Stockholm. But then the whole movie was shot basically in and around New York City. Right. They didn't fake it. They did not fake it. Even I think there were some like interiors that were studios, but I think even those were were in New York. In New York. Well, I mean, if your production's yeah. in New York, then you may as well just stay there, right? Yeah, unless I guess you're doing it at like a later date or right. something. But... I mean, that's another connection between this and Birdman. What's that? Because they were both shot in New oh, York but... City. Yeah, both shot in New York City. Yeah, although some of we as we I guess very very sparsely parts of uh, uh, Birdman were shot in London. Well, we don't actually. I, I can't tell you exactly what was. So but let's the, just say yeah, that it was almost entirely shot. Uh, Apparently, although it's not what we're talking about, yeah. coincidentally, parts of John Wick 2 were shot in Montreal. Oh, really? I came across that as I was looking into this movie, and I was like, what? Canada? Oh, man, it's John Wick 2. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about John Wick 2. No, not at all. Push that out of your mind. This is pre-franchise John Wick. But yeah, so they they did their table reads in LA, um, and they went really well, apparently. Uh, there was a little bit of footage of them, and they looked pretty like a, they looked like a good time. Like everybody was having a good. How time. How do you do a table uh, read for this movie? It's a very good question. I there was a lot of Keanu like hitting the table. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, what do you do? From what I observed. So, um, for those of you who don't know, a table read is exact exactly what it sounds like. You sit around a table and you read the script, but like, um, yeah, like a circular table, everybody faces each other. But like, it's just I can't imagine because like most of this movie is not talking, right? Yeah, there's no like, it, what did it take twenty minutes? <laughs> yeah, I know that was a fast read, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. G- grunts and fight sounds. Ugh. I, I uh. is there footage of this? Yeah, there there is footage of it. Okay, it's I, not, I, need, I need to watch I, some of those. I don't know. I couldn't find like it in its entirety, but right. well, uh, I'm sure they, there's like they probably don't publish that. But yeah, you know. Yeah, there's clips of it on YouTube. Yeah, but yeah, the what's her name? The lady who plays Perkins. I don't remember the actress's name. Oh, um, Adrian. Adrian Palicki. Yeah. Did you just look that up? Yeah, Adrian Lee Palicki. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Uh, so sh- she described the table read as like as soon as everybody got together, it was like instantly like a family, and they all like clicked, and it was a uh, a super good experience. So cool. I I think, and also again, it looked looked like a good time. You know, Keanu like hitting the table and just stuff. Just getting really into it. That's <laughs> he, good. He's getting really into it. He seems like he was very much into it. <laughs> but yeah, so the whole thing was shot in New York City. Um, a few like uh like. Minor details. The, 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 so the house was built apparently to hold an art collection. Which house is this? Is this where uh... the 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 titular character? Oh, John Wick's house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. John Wick's. Uh, so his house, John Wick's house, is um, is actually a uh, was built to hold an art collection originally. Apparently. Oh. Anything. Um, uh... Interesting in that collection, do you know? They didn't. They didn't mention anything in the collection, but what they did mention about this was that, like, it uh, it meant that 
for there was some really weird lighting and window choices made. Oh yeah, that would make sense. Which made it super kind of interesting to film in. I'm sure the lighting would just be like very even, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like very. It would be very good lighting. I bet. Well, like, I mean, no, for... but I mean, it'd be hard to, like, I don't know. I'm sure the DP probably just wanted to like tear it all down and put up whatever lights he wanted, right? Yeah, well, I'm sure they did put up. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of lights. Um, the uh, while we're while we're talking about the house, I just want to talk about the dog again. Right. Yeah. So I looked into this, the dog. The, the dog is this a a dog actor? Has this dog been in other films? Uh, I couldn't find any other films that this dog has been in. I could. I did look up the uh, IMDb the for the show. <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't look up the dog's IMDb. Does he have an IMDb? Uh, let's find out. I don't think so. Also, but... I believe the the dog in the film is named Daisy, although I, I haven't seen it in a long time. So the beginning. I'm not... of the, the beginning, yeah. I'm not sure, but the actual dog is named Andy. Okay. And Andy works for a, uh, I believe it's called Pet Actors International. Um. So after he did this film, and Pet Act, I looked into Pet Actors International. They have a, like a website that looks like it was made in like the nineties. I was like, it looks like it's just like a uh, uh, an agency for animals. Yeah, which that's how it's like, right? Is like troubling <laughs> in a lot of ways. Just I don't know. The more you dig into that show business animals, the more I feel like you're going to uncover horrible things. Why? Why do? Why do you just just in general, or just because of how you saw their site? No, just in general. Okay. But, like, their site also did, like, look... Like, all the information they had, they didn't have any information on, like, animal safety. Right. <laughs> they had they had information on actor safety and whatnot, and, like, set safety, because, like, they have, like, tigers and shit, too. Yeah. Well, I'm um, I'm pretty sure that they're actually very. Uh, there's a lot of rules in Hollywood about animals and animal safety. I'm sure, I'm I I I'm sure there are, but I hope there's not like some like weird loopholes or whatever. Well, no, because it used to be really bad, and then there are a couple movies well, yeah, which that, happened, and that one in particular. Now uh, things are better. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, anyway, so it looks like Andy retired after this film. Oh, yeah? He, he was only eight weeks old. Oh, wow. Well, maybe he grew up and was adopted by a family. Yeah, yeah, well, he went to, apparently they have a farm, um, anime actors in international. Oh, God. And he went, he went to the quote-unquote farm. <laughs> so I hope that doesn't mean they put, they actually killed him. Um... <laughs> Is that actually what they said? Yeah, he went to the farm, but I couldn't find any information on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is actually what their website says? No, the the website didn't say anything about the farm. The farm was mentioned by a different website talking about what happened to the dog. Oh, okay. Um, but that's how I found out about where he was, where he, he, he was... Uh, about anime, about animal actor internationals. Right. So I. Uh, so we actually have no confirmation on what happened to Andy. No, no. Andy's fate is, as of right now, uh, unknown. I suspect um, the dog survived because, you know, 
was a pretty small claim, puppy. Like they claim he returned to the quote unquote farm. But who claimed this? What was the website called? It was, it was some tabloid website. Yeah, it was it's not a reliable source. We have no information about the dog. <laughs> well, what we uh, the same the another fun bit of information that it the same article had um, was the one you have right here. It's it's not necessarily easy to get a animal actor to act. Like with a human actor, you just tell them what to do, and you know, ideally they do it. But, yeah, unless you run into a uh, a, a Chad Palomino or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, with animals, sometimes they need to be coerced in some ways. And uh, the way they did that for this film is to uh, to get the dog to lick John Wick's face. They smeared they Keanu's face with bacon grease. <laughs> it's perfect. It makes sense. Like, that's the magic. That's movie magic right there. Um, Absolutely. Because you have to... He has to lick the dog. Has to lick him awake for like you know several takes. How are they gonna you know nail? It must that? have been a very bacon. thin layer of bacon grease that it wouldn't show up on camera. Yeah, they don't. They would don't want it to like shine, or maybe it was like on the like cheek that wasn't exposed. Right. Was, like, so I think probably shot. smear is probably the wrong word. Yeah, yeah. Smear is probably the wrong word. <laughs> they probably, they like, dusted his face with dusted. bacon yeah. grease. <laughs> or uh, yeah. Misted his face with bacon grease. <laughs> yeah, like a little spritzer bottle. <laughs> he they did that, so yeah, they did that. But that's not the first time we've we've uh, we've talked about animals, things being smeared on people's faces. Oh, we talked about the to, the bee, or sorry, the fly. The fly, but that was a wild animal. Not the film, the fly. The uh, no, 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 um, no. The movie, how the, the the actor, the fly. Yeah. So, uh, once upon a time in the west is the movie. This is the beginning yeah. of the movie with the, the fly on the guy's face. Yeah. Ugh. The wild fly. Yeah. What was it, marmalade they put on his face? I think it was marmalade, but that was improvised. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, no, now that you mentioned the fly, I'm thinking of the animal actors in that movie. What? Oh, there was a lot of flies in that no, movie. No, in the fly. The baboon. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. But they the baboon didn't lick anything, anyone's face. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess. What do you mean you guess? No, I'm just wondering, like, you know, how do you train a baboon to do the things? <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess he didn't have to do much. He ran and jumped into Yeah, a... he did jump into Jeff Goldblum's arms, so that must have been, like... What do you think Jeff Goldblum was holding? There's probably, like, a monkey treat or something yeah. that they're trained with. Anyway, uh... <laughs> back to John Wick. Uh... Back to John Wick. Yeah, we always seem to end up at the fly. I don't know why that. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. So they decided to film like the drama scenes first, basically the non-action stuff, I guess, to get it out of the way. <laughs> well, you know, why not? <laughs> I I guess it's it's easier to shoot. You know, there's like the action stuff is all very. You've got a similar type of uh uh. uh way that you've got to shoot it i guess it kind of makes sense to like group it all together um so the stuff with the uh the stuff with like his dead his dead girlfriend and uh or his dead fiance all that stuff and the the shot like under the brooklyn bridge i think right. it's the brooklyn bridge or the uh wait with uh willem dafoe right i'd have to see the footage <laughs> i think it's the brooklyn bridge right so yeah that sort of thing they did first uh, but then, the, so the first action sequence they shoot is the is the church in Brooklyn, right? With the with the money, 
and it, all the interviews with Keanu on set, he seems so jazzed and like hyped to be that's, there. That's funny because that's a pretty rare thing for a Keanu interview. <laughs> I know. Well, Keanu's like usually very soft spoken, but like these are all because all the interviews I saw of him where he was actually literally on set, yeah, because they were like making a behind the scenes like film. It's because he was in character, time. I guess, or like he was like you know. Not in character, but he's he's you know ready to go. You know, he's got to psych himself up so that he can do it. Yeah, he's like he's just have he just like drifted a car, so he's like you know high fucking adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's just super uh, animated and like uh, excited about about everything. Enthusiastic is the word I was looking for. But now we get to uh, as I mentioned the uh, the injury. Right. Okay. I don't know why I laugh. It's a it's a nervous laughter because it's a bit gruesome, but he was okay, so it's fine. Good. <laughs> um, so you talk about uh, Michael Nyquist. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Did you have you, Did you hear about this? Not too much, because it's not actually in the Wikipedia page. Right. As I said, where where did you end up just, finding about it? I don't remember exactly. I just read it one place somewhere, and I was like, I'm gonna have to look more into that. And then eventually, I googled it and like. Like I didn't, fi- I couldn't find any details until I, uh, there was a a Swedish article that had, uh, some excerpts from Michael Nyquist on a, on a podcast. Okay. In Sweden, uh, so that's where I got some of the actual details was from that article. But the rest of it was just kind of, like, vaguely referring to an injury he suffered. Okay, so um, for those of you listening, uh, take the opportunity to get your uh you know, uh, puke bags. And uh, Keaton, can you describe the injury for us? Oh, God. Yeah, well, so it was... It is described as a severe injury to his head during a fight scene that left his, quote-unquote, ear dangling by a thread. Ugh. Um, which is pretty horrifying. How does this happen? <laughs> yeah, well, he described it as... He said it was a near-death experience... Because it was apparently like touch and go at the hospital. He had. Oh like, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, it is not not a, his like family was called to the hospital and stuff. Um, but so what it seems happened was there was like a fight scene that he didn't. What he said is he didn't make. Well, this is again. This is translated from Swedish. S- from Swedish. So it's not an exact quote. Um, but it's he said he didn't make proper eye contact with a stunt person and he got basically kicked wrong and got sent flying across a room into a window Ouch. Uh, and the window broke and he, he gashed his head apparently oh. and like nearly severed his ear and apparently huge wound to his head. That's, that's pretty rough. Yeah. And apparently the, the, it was like they had to reshoot a couple of scenes because the scar was so noticeable. Yeah. I can, I can only ear. imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, like legally, how that works. I'm sure they have insurance for that That's sort of exactly thing. And I'm what sure. They have. Yeah. So I don't know how. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you, how you go back to filming after that sort of thing happens. You know. I don't know. I guess he he's. I guess he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't blame the stunt guy or anything. No, no, no. I mean, I think he blamed himself. Yeah. He said he 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 took it. He said he. I mean, it was a bit weird because. I think this was also part of the translation. There was also part of it that said, 
something along the lines of, of like the stunt guy was like kind of stressed or something. Right. And and he like he said he like tapped the stunt guy on the shoulder or something. Um but which led at first it made it sound like it wasn't during like a scene. Right. But then the more I read the more it seemed like okay it happened during it actually did happen during during like a fight and he just he misplayed a fight and got kicked essentially across the room right ouch yeah so that's that's that sucks but apparently the doctor said to him allegedly or quote take it easy i fixed the tits of elizabeth taylor so i'm gonna fix your face (laughs) so there you go there's a bit of a bit of i don't know (laughs) levity to 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 finish off that gruesome story he apparently was Elizabeth Taylor's doctor, and that's allegedly what that doctor said. Okay. Yeah. What I don't know what that means. Fixed. I don't know. Is is it, he, was, he's not a plastic surgeon, is he? <laughs> like, I don't know. Did well. He must have been. I mean, I'm, I I assume. Well, I guess. I guess he he, uh, he he might have needed a plastic surgeon actually. Depending on yeah. What oh the, no, he yeah, definitely would have yeah. to like reattach his ear and like Oof. fix any damage. Oof. Yeah, sure I guess. Would've... I guess that's what he did. But. But like, what does he mean fixed? Well, does he I, mean like, were they in an accident? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he did. Were 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 Elizabeth Taylor's breasts in a in like a car accident or like a gunfight? Who knows? Did did you look into it? No, let me look into it now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Elizabeth Taylor boob injury. Ah, it's all trying to show me nude pictures of Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, Taylor was also prone to other illnesses and injuries, which often necessitated surgery. Um, What? In 1961, she survived a near-fatal bout of pneumonia that required a tracheotomy. Wow. So maybe that has something to do with it? Okay, well, it seems like she's had several surgeries. It's not clear exactly why. Except for the tracheotomy. That's very clear why. Yeah, yeah, that's that's clear. Wow, this this article's called Elizabeth Taylor: A Life of Pain and Multiple Surgeries. Yeah. Anywho, so that's that's a that's beyond that. the scope of this, but she of has a episode, very long story, actually. There, we'll probably talk about her at some point. So yeah, some other stuff just about the production shooting wise. The exterior of the the Red Circle Club is actually a courthouse, which I found funny. Wait, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. The actual location is a courthouse. It is uh, now, or it was when they filmed that. It was the interior and exterior are different locations. Yeah, both obviously. in New York, I think. But 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 yeah. yeah, the exterior was at that point, I think, a courthouse as well. It's just a cool kind of intimidating building, I guess. Yeah. So the, yeah, the 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 in- interiors of the Red Circle, like that fight scene, which I believe has some of the most intense like and close quarters combat sequence in the movie is the the club fight scene worse was the last one to be shot and apparently Keanu had the flu during this no oh, really this yeah i've read this from a couple different places that he had a fever of 104 degrees during this scene and and he but he was like so jacked and like so hyped that like the directors couldn't even get him to sit down between takes yeah, he was brutal. Like ready to ready to fucking go. But 
I was thinking in a like that's like a fun fact, but in a post-COVID world, that would definitely be frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, uh, like definitely. I mean, before COVID, like you know, we've all done things like that. But I don't know. It's yeah, it's yeah. uh obviously now I realize why you shouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I'm sure Keanu does too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'd do it again. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so this is basically the end of the, uh, information on the, uh, the production. I don't know. Uh, We talked, uh, we talked a bit about last week, how the balcony drop scene. So do you want to, do you want to know how they did it? Yeah. How did they do it? Talking about it last week. Yeah. Cause that's more of a stunt thing than a, how did they shoot it thing? Yeah, well, it's a how did they stunt it. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll call it that. How did they stunt it? Yeah, so so what they did is they did actually have... um, So it's two shots stitched together, if you were wondering. Um, the first shot is... Is it a dummy? No. Neither of them are Keanu. Okay. The first one is uh, a stunt actor actually did the fall onto boxes, onto cardboard boxes. Okay. Which is like a I was anyone who knows a little bit about stunts knows that cardboard boxes are the the go-to, go-to. kind of uh, <laughs> well that's how they did it in Die Hard. Or that's exactly. how they no, that's not how they actually do the shot, but that's how Didn't uh, the director do it to prove it to Alan Rickman that that's what you should do? <laughs> Yeah, well, he. I don't know if it was the director did it, but somebody did it to try to prove. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was McTiernan. Right. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Go listen to the Die Hard episode if you want to. If you want yeah. confirmation on that fact. Yeah. But yeah, so it was. It was. Uh, uh, he did the actual drop onto boxes, which still is a big drop, and like you got to do that right. Um. And it's not a lot of boxes, uh, from what I what I saw. Mm-hmm. And then, so what they did next is they they hung him the 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 stunt actor over the balcony about four feet off the ground, um, and they like lined him up basically perfectly. They lined the camera up perfectly with the last shot. I forget yeah. what they called it. There, there's a technique for it. Um, and they like line him up perfectly and line the the shot up perfectly, and then they basically just free dropped him four feet onto the ground so that actually looked like it hurt so he wasn't dropping the full distance is what you're saying yeah but he did again he fell the last four feet onto his back right but that's that still doesn't make sense to me because how did they match the acceleration movie magic because he'd be falling because he's starting from zero speed right yeah but then by the end he's moving at a certain speed, right? Well, they probably so the speeds sped wouldn't up match that up. Last little bit. Yeah, maybe they shot at a high speed and then did like the, or yeah. But there's definitely a technique for this sort yeah. of thing, like that. You're, you're yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they would have had to do something like that. All right. Well, that's interesting. But yeah, that's how they did it. We were so wondering. you still had to fall, but sorry, the stuntman still had to fall, but not as far. <laughs> not the whole way. I mean, he fell the whole way onto boxes, and then he did. Yeah. A little bit onto the onto his the back, and he still he definitely the way he was talking about it, he wasn't like, oh yeah, this is fine, doesn't hurt at all. He was definitely like, I mean, you're falling four feet onto your back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was 
that was kind of funny. But yeah, Ouch. so that's that's basically the the production stuff here. Um, but we can move on to the how did they shoot it? The more technical <laughs> things. All right, let's talk about how they did shoot it. Fuck yeah! So how did they shoot it? First of all. Just to give credit where credit is due to of course. director of photography, Jonathan Sella, uh, who Jonathan's Sella, who has worked on uh, such films as Deadpool Two, Law Abiding yeah. Citizen, and The Omen. Okay, okay. And uh, first assistant camera, Michael J. Burke. What has Michael J. Burke worked on? Uh, Spider Man: Homecoming. Nice. Nerve. Was he the first AC on that too? Yes, he was. Nice. That's the focus puller. To yeah. uh, clear that up. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, I forget that sometimes people listening don't know that we talk about it all the time. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to assume that everybody listening is listening for the very first time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Keaton. Yes. Do you think this was film or digital? A hundred percent digital, I think. And you'd be a hundred percent correct. Damn right, I would be. It would be ridiculous. Why would you shoot this? There's no reason. I don't know. You like film? <laughs> exactly. That's the only reason. That's a reason. That I would, I would, I would tisk at that reason. <laughs> well, I mean, I would suspect that the people uh, doing this, uh, you know, being having a background in stunt work, you know. Probably don't care that much. Yeah, it's not. They're not really the the hoity toity. Well, I, I mean, there are technical fair. reasons why you would want to shoot on film that don't have to be you being a hoity toity toity person. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and they are. <laughs> well, we don't have to get into that right now because that's completely <laughs> off topic. Okay. Unless you want me we'll to bore that. you a lot. <laughs> We'll save that for uh for for a different film. Okay. That's cool. more relevant. Okay, so um did you notice anything else about the way this movie shot stuck out to you? There's a lot of like uh uh like roller shots, you know, like where they follow John Wick. You mean like dolly shots? Dolly shots, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some of that. Um what else? I feel like there was also a lot of crane action. Yeah, there was some of that. A lot of specialty shots, basically, you know? Right. Because I think they were trying to get a lot of different things. I don't know. Well, the thing that I'm hoping that you will get at, which I don't think you will, because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person in the world that is annoyed by this. Oh, it's okay. What were you you looking for? I mean, I don't think you were honestly... I don't think you honestly even noticed it. I don't think most people noticed it. Oh, geez. What is it? This film... Like, the thing that bothers me most about this is I have no idea why they did it. Okay. So... We have no... It's, it's This uh, film is both anamorphic... Uh-huh. ...and not anamorphic. And it changes between scenes. What is... Why? How does that... Okay. What? So, uh... To reiterate once again what anamorphic is, it's when you use yes, a yes. cylindrical lens 
to basically stretch out the frame and you get a wider frame, but you also get some other artifacts from that. And right. some of these scenes were shot with an anamorphic lens and some of them were not. And I, there is no logic. So, so some, like, obviously the two shots, like, they're the same width because, like, the ones that are non-anamorphic have just been cropped on the top and bottom, right? Right. So the thing that you will notice is when you have actual anamorphic footage, two things are, two things mainly happen. Is that the bokeh, the out-of-focus areas, uh, have an oval shape as opposed to a circular shape, which you'll right. see on spherical standard lenses. Right. And the, um, the, uh, whatchamacallit, um, the flares sort of tend to cause this very particular flaring effect where you get like a like a kind of a horizontal blue line across the screen. Right. It's a very look that up. um it's a very particular look. But it was just very weird to me and off-putting seeing the background, seeing them with circular bokeh in some shots, but then oval ones in another shot and cutting back and forth between them with almost no logic as to why they were doing that so i thought okay maybe they're doing it because they're using you know because i noticed that it tended to be the exteriors that were done with anamorphic and sort of the interiors or not just interiors but maybe like lower light areas that were done with spherical lenses because uh, spherical lenses tend to be, um, well, they tend to be technically superior in the sense right. that they generally have better, like, they generally tend to have a, a, a smaller, or sorry, a larger aperture. But right. then I looked up the specific lenses they used. <laughs> and? <laughs> the anamorphic lenses they used uh, have a T-stop of 2.3 and the spherical ones have a t-stop of 2 which is so close it doesn't even matter it doesn't matter yeah so what the fuck what's the point (laughs) i don't like why didn't they just do do it it. because i i don't think that it would be because oh they just wanted that certain anamorphic look but then why didn't they just shoot the whole thing anamorphic (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It or or they wanted like... the spherical look in some scenes and the anamorphic look in other ones. But why? It must have just been like a, a like a, a miscommunication between But then why would like... you rent like two entirely different sets of lenses? It costs Maybe money. It was like a later date. So eventually I came upon this. Okay. And this is this is this is the explanation from the director of photography. Okay, this is going to be juicy. We had this idea of using both anamorphic and spherical lenses. So we got ourselves we got a hold of a set of Hawks Vintage 74 anamorphics and combined them with Cook S4s. Originally, we planned to use anamorphics for the first section and sphericals for the second, but once we were shooting, Why? we felt that the camera work was enough to separate those two worlds. So we ended up using anamorphics mainly for day work and the sphericals for night work. The vintage 74s are beautiful, but they flare a lot at night. 
we thought that would become too much. In daylight, they gave us a hazy look and reduced contrast, which makes the day scenes look more cinematic to me. Interesting. So, essentially... He... Essentially, it was a mistake that they tried to save. What do you mean? Well, not a mistake. A mistake's the wrong word. Um, they, like, plants... They tried something that didn't work, so they tried to repurpose it, and it kind of worked. Yeah, so they... Essentially, they rented these lenses because they had this idea. They found that that idea was not necessary. <laughs> so they just had these lenses. So they had two sets of lenses, and they decided to uh, use the sphericals during the night because they thought the anamorphics would flare too much. There you go. Well, that make that kind of makes sense. I don't know if that's like. I guess if you're the only one who seems to have noticed it. <laughs> well, I'm not the only one who noticed it. Actually, um, it looks like there's this forum. Uh, oh, okay, so people. So somebody on. On RogerDeakins.com, uh, <laughs> Roger Deakins, who is a this is Roger Deakins' website. Roger Deakins, who is a uh, renowned cinematographer, indeed, who uh, does not post in this thread, but uh, actually, the great David Mullen does post in this thread. <laughs> yes, so generally, uh, mixing anamorphic and spherical in the past uh, was somewhat difficult, but now with digital, it's a lot easier to do that. <laughs> Um, but yeah so that's the explanation and that's why I was bothered while watching this movie are you still bothered after the explanation or do you feel better about it now no I'm still bothered about it like I feel better that I know why but it's just like it seems inconsistent the look seems inconsistent well now that I know it's gonna drive me insane and I'm gonna look for it just look at the background, the out-of-focus background, and see when it switches between having round, circular bokeh and having oval bokeh. I feel like that's pretty obvious, too, if you, like, think if about you're, it. Yeah, if you, if you look close, yeah. How could you, like, how could... I feel like... I don't know. If you're not looking for it, you won't notice it. But how often do you stare at the out-of-focus area and be like, hey... Because, I mean, generally, you're not supposed to look at the out-of-focus area. Like that's it does your eye doesn't draw to it isn't drawn to it right depends on how contrarian you are I mean I'm a nerd so I do but like you know for this purpose <laughs> yeah I mean usually I look I look at a movie I'm like okay how was this shot is this anamorphic <laughs> how did they shoot it uh as for the cameras you know they used RA Alexis which everybody likes to use now. <laughs> so that's not much Why to say that? there. Sorry, it's just that's just the standard. That's kind of like the standard, like uh, or a standard. I guess it's hard to. Well, it's kind of like I would say that, like you know, for you know, it's the standard camera. I think a lot of people reach for these days, like a lot of um, cinematographers, right? You know, just because. You know, I've never used one, but uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> not in that. Uh, it's a little bit out of my budget range, but, you know, they're supposedly very good. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how they shot it. Switching yeah. between anamorphic and spherical for no discernible reason. Willy fucking nilly. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's that's that. Yeah. So, shall we move on to our next segment? Yes, we shall. 
And what segment would that be? It's a mixture. It's a mixture of what? Let's call it truth and metrics. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> You did the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That was good. Okay. (laughs) So welcome to Truth and Metrics. Truth and Metrics. Interesting. I don't know what to expect here. More on the cinematic side, but still got a an element of truth to it. Um, I mean, everything so the first... has an element of truth to it. You know, because <laughs> all you need to do is take the thing that's false and logically negate it, and you know that's truth. So, but then how does that mean that everything has an element of truth? I guess because it because you can, all... you know all all it, it, the only difference between you know the truth yeah and exactly something right. false is one negation. Exactly, you're only one logical negation away from the truth at any given time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I found an awesome visual graphic um, by a guy named George Hatzitz, I believe you pronounce it. Um, I'll link the, on on something or other, we'll we'll link the visual graphic because it's it's very well done. It's very good work by by George Hatzitz. he looks but like he's done we're... a lot of other movies, actually, or a couple. Yeah, of, yeah, he yeah. does. He, it's it's not just John Wick. So he does this a lot for a lot of things, but this one is great. So this is it's called John Wick Kill Count. It's like a visual graphic of all his all his kills organized very clearly. Okay. <laughs> so scene by scene. Okay, so, so we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna fucking go through it. Oh, scene by oh, jeez, wow, wow. It's or yeah, it's very very thorough. It's organized so it's got scene by scene. It's organized by weapon, by shots taken, by shot accuracy, and by headshots. So it's very thorough. Wow. Um. Okay. So, so what would you want to alternate and just go through it? Yeah, sure. Um, so let's start off in John's house. First killing scene. Yeah. So uh, they don't count that he doesn't count the dog. Uh, yeah, I assume Andy. this is only humans. Yeah, I, I believe so. Okay, so he kills thirteen people, <laughs> mostly by gun, one by knife, and one by fist. So he fires 19 shots and misses one. Sorry, sorry, he fires 20 shots, misses one for a shot accuracy of 95% with 11 <laughs> headshots. So sick. Okay. So the next k- killing scene is the scene at the red circle. So that's an intense scene where he kills 28 people. So of the 28... 24 of them are with his pistol, three of them are with a knife, and one of them is with his bare hands. He takes um, 65 shots in total. Uh, Of the 65 shots in the red circle, 52 of them are hits, 13 are misses for an accuracy of 83%. 
of these 28 kills and these 60, uh, what did I say, 65 shots, 23 of them are headshots. Jeez. So next is the church. Yeah, so uh, we've upgraded guns. Now it looks like we're yeah. using some kind of assault rifle. Yeah, some sort of some sort of machine-like gun. So, uh, he kills 16 people, mostly with various types of guns. Wait, is that a rocket launcher? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, well, it looks like that's, that last one's like a grenade launcher or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we like should have checked the uh, film. I, I'm pretty no, I'm pretty sure it's a shotgun. I remember he, he, he has like a shotgun or something. In, in that scene. Okay, so um, sorry. Let's start again. So he kills sixteen yeah. people, mostly with an assault rifle. Uh, one of them with a pistol, one of them with a shotgun, and one of them with his bare hands. So he fires. How do you count with an assault rifle? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. whoever whoever did the counting must have watched it in, like slow motion. <laughs> yeah. I know. So he takes forty five shots. <laughs> 12 of them are counted as cover fire and he okay. hits 28 and misses 5 uh, I believe the ones that are cover fire are not counted le- leading to a shot accuracy of 84% 7 right. headshots and the just to even further detail the intricacy of this guy's info like infographic um, in the in, of the shots taken he specifies of the hits, misses, and cover fires. Oh yeah, which he kind of ammunition it was. Yeah, he specifies which gun it was taken from. Yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous. So finally we have the compound, which is where he finally kills the uh the the one the guy the one kid who he's been after the whole time. Yeah. So in the compound he kills only 10 people. So this is the fewest people yet, I think, in a scene. It is, yeah. So yeah. he only kills 10 people, two of which are with a wire. He uh, garrots them. F- uh, four of them are with a, a sniper rifle. Two of them are with an explosive device. Uh, and then two of them are with his with his pistol, which he... Uh, he the second one is is the golden kill, which they've highlighted here. <laughs> the interesting thing about this this one is it's he only takes seven seven shots. Only needs seven shots. <laughs> he only needs seven shots. He takes seven shots, seven hits for a shot accuracy of a hundred percent, and six headshots. Wow. I so, guess. Wait. That's his most accurate. Right. I guess it's not counting the uh, the. Is it counting the explosion? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So the explosion and the garage are not counted towards that. Although, hold on here. They've got... Something's not quite right here. No, it's it's right. You're just... Because he... Um... Oh, one of the... Yeah, I see. One of the kills took two shots. Exactly. Gotcha. But, so... Yeah. So next. This is funny. Okay. Yeah, this is... <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, at the dock, um, he kills ten people. Uh, six of them are with a vehicle. <laughs> Three of them are with a pistol, and one of them is with a knife. He takes 16 shots, hits them all, 
shot accuracy 100%, two headshots. And what's really funny is in the infographic, uh, the um, who's the guy again who made this? Uh, George. Uh, George has gone hat. in and and put in uh, a car like on its <laughs> side as if it were a gun. As if it were a gun. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing that I don't know if we mentioned, but he, the, he's put them in order of how it happens. Oh yeah, too. which is the best so part. Like, yeah, it's car, car, well, car, This is car, very gun. dense in its information. It's yeah, good. it's really it's good. good. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, so, <laughs> so now we move on to the totals? Yeah, we've got totals here. Okay. Um, so uh, we weren't breaking it down by which kind of actual weapon he used, but uh, it looks like George has... has figured out exactly which model of pistol was you of course he has <laughs> yeah i we it was silly of us to assume that to even think that he hadn't uh actually let's find out okay Are yeah it was a shotgun it was a shotgun yeah, yeah. so oh so there's two two types of pistols here you've got your your heckler and coke p3ol kosh no, Coke? Uh, people call them the Coke brothers. Yeah, but I don't think it's those Coke brothers, is it? Well, I know, but that's just, like, that's it's spelled the same, so... Is it Koch? This is the hardest Coke. name to pronounce ever. Kosh? Koch? Okay, so there are two ways to pronounce it. Okay. Uh, which is Heckler and Coke, as you said. Nice. And Heckler und Koch. Which is the German pronunciation. The German pronunciation. Right, yeah. So that's um, probably more accurate. So Koch would be Koch. correct, but I'm sure Koch Sick. would be fine. So 38 kills with the Koch P3OL. Just say H and K. Uh, 38 with the H and K. Um, <laughs> just three with the Glock. Right. Fuck me. Do we really need to go through all these? No, we don't need to go through all these. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thirteen of them were with the CA four fifteen assault rifle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Four of them were with the DTA Stealth Recon Scout sniper rifle. Sick. Uh, one of them was with the K- Caltech KSG shotgun. Five of them Hardcore. were with just a knife, which classic. I don't think we're able to determine the. The model type of or knife. variety. No. Six of them were with the 2011 Dodge Charger. <laughs> Five of them, sorry, three of them were with bare hands, specifically a broken neck. Hardcore. Two of them were choked by wire. <laughs> so brutal. And two were finally killed by a bomb detonating. And I don't think we have the model of the bomb. No, they didn't go to the type of type of bomb they used unfortunately was it c4 they didn't say they didn't show okay. it okay um, i'm sure if it was on screen uh george would have figured it out yeah that's true so as a 59 total kills with guns and 18 kills with other so this includes the choking the breaking of the neck and the bomb detonation and, a, and, and the, the knife 2011 dodge charger exactly so, so what is totally yeah? What is John Wick's total shot accuracy? He, his total shot accuracy. He's got 122 hits, 
19 misses and 12 cover shots um, for a total accuracy of 86.52%, which is quite good, I yeah. think. I think that's pretty um, good. I think that's I don't know. excessively good. I, I would assume I, that I assume it is. that's impossibly good. <laughs> so he's got 49 headshots, one neck shot. Does it, is a neck shot shots. different than a headshot? It's they're separated differently here. No, you bleed out from a neck. You can survive a neck shot. I guess it depends where. Yeah, it's different. It's probably so yeah, one neck. It's probably a confirmed kill. Probably, like I feel like you're gonna bleed out from a bullet wound there's, to the neck. Unless, I, yeah, there might be fleshy parts of the neck. I'm not really. I'm you know. I'm not. I'm a, not an a doctor or a uh, <laughs> you know a assassin. No, neither. Um, <laughs> So 51 chest shots, 9 stomach shots, 7 leg, uh, 4 foot shots, and 4 car shots? I don't know what that means. That just means... I don't know, maybe he shot the car? Or... Oh, maybe. Because some of them were misses, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, to answer the question, how many people did John Wick kill? Total answer. The total answer is 77 people. There you go. Uh, there you go. I'm so pretty sure uh, in John Wick 2 they, like, doubled that. Well, see, the thing is, I was reading that something like 116 people die in this movie. But In, 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 in John Wick? Yeah, John but Wick they're 2? not all killed by John Wick. Okay, how are they... How else do they die? Well, some of them are killed by uh, the Russians, I guess. Yeah, some are killed by the Russians, some are killed by Willem Dafoe, some are killed by, what's her name? Um, Perkins? Perkins, yeah. Um, and I think in the 116, though, they counted the dog. Um, but okay. then, yeah, yeah, in, 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 the, in the subsequent ones, it gets up to, like, 161. Well, it seems like in John Wick 2, they killed 128. John Wick killed 128 people. Holy smokes. And in John yeah, Wick well, 3, uh, he killed... Are you looking at George's... Yeah, George has, has information on this. It, actually, he he he. It seems like he took a break on uh, John Wick two because sorry, John Wick three because he only killed eighty five people. Oh wow, he really he cut back. Yeah. Wow. Wow, he really he he got. <laughs> so he maxed it out in John Wick two. You want? I haven't seen John Wick three, but I'm just I just like scrolled over to it and I just see like a horse. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he killed somebody with a horse in that movie. Um, that's pretty great. Anyway, so that's that's truth of metrics. Um, so, what are your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I think this uh, this movie's pretty good. You know, it's uh, it kind of just uh, does what a lot of movies had done before it, but you know, to another level, and kind of puts you know everything together. So, I wouldn't say it's like you know a life changing film or anything, but you know. It's fun watch, you know. Very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I agree with all the all the intense cult people who have jumped on this movie as the greatest action movie of all time and like you know a life or a a a, a, a genre changing film. But maybe you you could make the argument as a genre changing film. Okay, make it right now. Go. Whoa, okay, I don't know, just, uh, I mean, 
I think it certainly uh, sold the idea for a lot of people that all you need to do is just kill a bunch of people in a movie and people will watch it. <laughs> like, oh shit, we don't need to spend 30 minutes on an exposition? Well, they spent... Well, they did in this movie. 30? Well, you didn't watch it, but... No, well, it was only like 12 minutes of exposition. <laughs> I think the dog seriously dies like 12 minutes in. You're right, yeah, the dog dies like, pretty really... early. But, but there's... Like, after the first, like, thing, like, the first killing at John Wick's house, like, it's actually a while before he kills more people. Yeah. Wait, what, you mean the first, like, the assault at his house? Like After the first came? assault, it's a while before he actually kills people. Yeah, but you do get some action. Like, you you have him, like, breaking the concrete and shit. Yeah, but that's it's not exactly anything close to what he does later. <laughs> No, I, I suppose breaking concrete versus seventy-seven kills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I gotta wonder though, what what film does have the highest body count of all what time? What film has the highest body count? It's probably a war movie, wouldn't it be? I mean, do you oh yeah. What about movie? just the intro to Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if you count a war movie, like maybe like biggest individual body count might be a thing, because like. There must be a movie that has, like, you know, nukes dropping in it. Okay, well, then, like, I guess if it's if you can't confirm how many people died, then it doesn't count. Right. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess, like, I guess it's, I guess it's kind of hard to... Uh, you need parameters. You need strict parameters. Yeah, it's hard to just directly compare some movies, I think. Because, like, yeah, like, if L.A. gets nuked... Yeah. I guess you could be like, yeah, the population of LA died, but also if it's like a future movie, like what's the population? Anyway, there's a lot what of. What if they destroy an entire planet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, like Star Wars, like that probably has the biggest, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Alderaan, man. Well, how many people live on Alderaan? What was the population of Alderaan? Because how do we know that there's not, like, you know, just a couple million people in Alderaan? Two, two billion. Two billion, okay. The population was two billion. Right. Okay. Uh, according to Wikipedia, I don't know. If we really want, we could, I don't know where the where that number is well, actually you gotta go on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> For that kind of information. Oh, it's from the databank from StarWars.com. Okay. So. Um. Anyway, I'm sure there's... No definitive answer because George Lucas probably never wrote that in the script. Yeah, it's, it's in parentheses. Two billion people died. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, we've somehow gotten to Star Wars, so I guess it's time to end the episode. But yeah, well, we were talking about body counts. One body day we'll. Counts, right. Like, yeah, I don't think you can directly compare, is the point, body counts. But this movie has a high body count. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think by one individual person, it 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 would be in the running. Well, no, but what if you movies. like who, like what if you count like Grand Moff Tarkin who gives the order to like destroy Alderaan? That's slightly different. So. Okay. <laughs> Again, the, we got to talk about these parameters. We got to figure this shit out, man. Right. So, or like giving the order to kill somebody is not like it only counts as one in the words of Gimli. Right. Okay. Um anyway. It's exactly like that actually. I think Gimli's probably right. What? Alderaan only counts as one. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not to write off two billion lives or anything. Well, there are two billion fictional lives, to be honest. Whoa. <laughs> so I, I'm okay with writing them off. Okay. Well, um, all right. Let's Let's uh, let's wrap her up then. Uh, we'll be back next week with a movie. A brand new film. Thank you, Ukraine listeners, <laughs> for listening to this podcast. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, and everybody else as well. And everybody else too, yeah. Please don't, yeah, uh, social media and all that, you know. Got hit it up <laughs> alright we'll see you guys next week fuck yeah